0: You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Zah. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jiu-jitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more.
1: Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Rome Zah. Today, I'm here with a special guest. His name is Johnny Jenkins. He's the founder of Everland, an eco-retreat and immersive art park being built outside of Denver, Colorado. It's inspired by Burning Man, Meow Wolf, and the collaborative creative movement. Everland's intention is to facilitate connection, inspire creativity, and activate childlike play. Johnny has a very diverse background that led him to this point. He has lived and been a leader in intentional communities. He stewarded hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate transactions and development projects. He's worked in foreign aid and nonprofits. He started and ran a large events and production company in Asia, and he acted and modeled in Taiwan for five years. So there's only audio here. Guys, he's very good looking. He might have been the next coming of Jesus Christ in Taiwan. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's traveled to over 60 countries. He's been obsessed with exploring foreign cultures and schools of thought since he was young. He's driven to merge the worlds of capitalism and intention. Johnny is committed to living a life in service to create experiences that inspire people to rethink the way we live, work and play. Well, welcome Mm. to our deepest fear.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Realm. It's a a pleasure to get this time to drop in with you. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun gonna be fun I, I like the idea of merging different ideas together because art doesn't have to be created from nothing uh, yet it is yeah <laughs> right but like we the, but nothing is ever created from something so nothing or everything comes from nothing but it's always here it's fucking here like nothing gets destroyed so it's still here <laughs>
2: To, to pull the best of existing worlds and not to throw them out, but to, you know, harness the deep cultivation of whatever that, you know, place has come, came from, but to be able to, you know, cross, cross it with something else uh, and then to that catalyze into new space, you know, is, uh, is a great passion of mine. For
1: sure. Where did you, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up on a small island off the coast of North Carolina. It's called the Outer Banks, a little surf town. Wow. That's awesome. Do you surf? I do. My dad's a, a very avid surfer and I I just grew up on the water and didn't know how really blessed I was to, you know, be in such a, a bubble, you know. There wasn't uh talk of of politics and sports. There was just talk of like wind and waves and weather.
1: Fuck, bro. I love it. You know what? You know what's funny is like I we didn't have politics growing up either in the outer boroughs in Brooklyn. We just had like, like the only things I cared about was fucking chasing girls, selling drugs and getting into fights. So it was also very simple, you know, like no politics, but very simple. So I, I I feel you. I feel you. I mean, the surf culture is a little bit more chill. (laughs) But what do you expect from Brooklyn, New York, bro? (laughs)
2: Totally.
1: What were you like as a kid growing up?
2: uh you know a d d always in from one thing to the next, but you know super adventurous and I started uh travelling international at fourteen panama peru Papua New Guinea I'd spend my summers abroad and you know got really uh you know addicted to deep experiences really young, and I think that you know helped to shape a lot of my past later down the road.
1: When you traveled, what did you travel like for? Like as a 14-year-old, did you did you have like a specific purpose or it was just like, I'm just going to go explore?
2: Yeah, well, I grew up in a, a really beautiful Christian community and, you know, I wouldn't uh, call myself in the Christian world anymore, but, you know, it was a really beautiful time of, you know, having a bunch of parents and kids caring for each other. And so I would start to go on these kind of uh, church trips or release trips or like aid trips, you know, to do... Like missions. You know, Mission trips, yeah. And so different yeah, reliefs, nice. relief things, you know, house building or whatever. So mm-hmm. I would just go with a, a teen organization that later I went to, to work for for a period of time. And some of the trips were just scouting trips. Uh, but it exposed me to go, you know, not on the tourist track, trek, but to really get deep into the culture.
1: Wow. Which religion? Which form of Christianity?
2: N- non-denominational.
1: What does that mean? I, so I I grew up with like almost no like no religion, so like religion is a interesting curiosity of mine.
2: Uh, so I, they would call it like evangelical. So you know they believe you know they're singing worship music and dancing around, but they don't you know really adhere to a denomination. Of course, now that's a denomination when they say yeah, yeah. non denominational. So it's the irony. My they're, grandma was that. Oh really?
1: Yeah, she was Baptist evangelist.
2: Wow. I mean it was a beautiful beautiful community for sure.
1: Wow. That's awesome. So what like what so now like that's a huge, huge um shift in the pendulum from uh like a religious community to burning man and art yeah. and uh like what what the fuck happened in between? Like that dash in between, like what what happened, bro?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was really into my younger 20s before I was completely away from that world. But, you know, after high school, I went to this uh, intensive leadership program as a Christian academy, 600 of us living kind of off grid in Texas. And we were running these global missions. So we were taking, you know, 4000 kids around the world every summer. And I was in the operations department. So all of a sudden I got to uh, manage multi million dollar budgets and huge international operations. I was like, this is the jam. And uh, stayed for multiple years in that organization. Um, and it was, it was kind of militant, but, but maybe like John Maxwell, Tony Robbins of like self-development, conflict resolution, public speaking. And in that, I got to then travel a lot more and you know visit all these different cultures. And it was powerful. And as I would go to these cultures, I'm like, these people don't need our help. There are people that need our help, but I wasn't providing a solution. I was finding other people that had, you know, deep faith, but it was just differing faith. And growing up, I grew up in this beautiful, connected community or there was people kind of outside the church. So I saw people connected and not connected. And then later seeing people connected through different religions or different other ways of life, you know, disenchantized me and eventually, you know, lost that as like, hey, this is the only way to live but really my heart was to help people come into a more connected more full more loving vibrant existence Um, which when I finally realized it wasn't uh, Christianity you know it took me a long bit to figure out what I could stand for because the only thing I had stood for up to that point I now view as false and I mean on the overarching journey of my story that was a really you know, fast forwarding to later, a difficult part to kind of come back to terms with was what can I tell anybody if, if I'm just going to prove myself wrong again in the future. And I'll, uh, you know, a lot of those years later of traveling was trying to really figure out those other cultures and, you know, views of life with uh, an open heart, but also skepticism that, hey, well, it's just about you know, the contextualization of that area and that culture that breeds what's right and wrong or what that, you know, what people live for and what breeds happiness. But really on a quest to find out what purpose is because before I thought I had purpose and then uh, giving up with that was uh, a time for rediscovery.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Incredible. The first thing that came to mind for me during that story was like, fuck, religion crushes. They make so much money and they have like a fuck like like an army of people making money for them. Um, It's it's incredible. And I'm not saying that from a. I mean, I I love capitalism. I come from a communist country, bro. So just throwing that out there like I have nothing wrong with capitalism, Um, but it's a business. Like, it's a business like any other business. It's run like any other business. And when businesses are run like businesses, they act like businesses. So uh, it's really like, and, and businesses work on efficiency and effectiveness. Like, that's literally like how businesses run when they're on autopilot. And religion's been on autopilot for a long time now.
2: Very true. Very so true. you know
1: like they have a story of a man that reached enlightenment whether he's real he's not real I don't know it's a story um and the story teaches other people how to reach this sort of enlightenment but the question is every is everybody's experience really the same like my experience is totally different from your experience so Totally. It's just it's um uh you you like my it's a mile marker it's a uh, it's a direction it's the finger pointing to the moon but it's not the moon.
2: Mm hmm. I mean we like we have those points of epiphanies and then we try to. You know, integrate them into our, you know, distorted reality that if there is anything transcendent, it's definitely not on the plane of existence that we're operating. So there's no way we're going to be able to articulate or have an understanding of these higher planes. So, you know, we form groups around ideas and support systems and you know, the accountability and the love and the trust can be huge. And the mind control can also be huge.
1: Yeah, well, we live and die for these organizations. Um, I'm actually very familiar with many organizations from a personal level, because I've been searching for so long. So I've uh, encountered many um, organizations that um, it's, you know, you know what I was thinking is like, I'm, I'm part of a lot of cults, right? (laughs) Like that, that's the reality. Like I'm part of a lot of cults. I'm not just part of one. (laughs) I'm a polymath. Uh, I'm part of jujitsu and, uh, movement training and yoga and fucking, um, what other cults am I part of? Entrepreneurship and, um, fuck like hiking and nature. Mm -hmm. Like it's all cults, right? Like cult culture or whatever. Right. Um, so The problem happens um, when it is a, uh, in my experience, right? But maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's perfect. Maybe that's that's the way it's supposed to be. You know what? Like, I don't even think it's a problem. I think it's fucking awesome. Because to know this, you have to know that. Yep. Like, to experience this, whatever we're experiencing right now, we have to have experienced that. So if this is necessary to get to... Only through that, then that is necessary to be there. Um, I actually quoted this on a podcast yesterday. Aristotle said, you cannot build a city with just one type of man.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Like you need the Jews, you need the Muslims, like you need the you need the blacks, you need the conservatives, you need the liberals, like you need you need all of these people. Like you need, you need, I might've not mentioned Christians, you need the
2: Christians,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but
1: like you need them because like everybody brings their own fucking flavor. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it it might suck, but so does heartbreak. Heartbreak fucking sucks. Like losing people sucks. Like everything sucks when you're too attached. So attached to it. Like, you know? So, yeah, it fucking sucks. It sucks, like, losing your tribe. But maybe it wasn't your tribe to begin with, right? Maybe it's that story of, like, uh, the eagle that was raised with the chickens.
2: <laughs> and I think there's seasons of our lives for different uh, ways of existence. And we yeah. can evolve and, and shift through it. And I'm not I'm not ashamed or anything from that way of life. I feel that it has shaped me in so many ways. And, I mean... Essentially, bro, you look like up. Jesus. It's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing. Like, if that's
1: one benefit of following that religion, bro, <laughs> sign me up today. I don't have any hair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got something to share, and my, my post COVID hair is pretty ridiculous. I just.
1: <laughs> oh my god, bro! Like, you you gotta tell me which like verse which. Uh, which line talks about hair, bro? Uh, <laughs> you gotta put me on, bro. <laughs> I know you read that thing with a fine
2: tooth comb, you know. Well, I think <laughs> the most famous uh Bible character about hair was Samson, who uh, his secret to his supernatural strength was never cutting his hair, and he was like mm-hmm. able to like bring down entire armies with the strength of one man until uh, a woman seduced him and cut his hair, <laughs> Fuck,
1: bro. I wonder what kind of haircut he got. If he got like a fade or like a tape up, you know, like <laughs> like if you're gonna do it, like you might as well look dope. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: I'll laughs> say, my hair is probably not very good for jujitsu, so uh, uh, he he trained was- with
1: a lot of guys with long hair um, that were really good. Um, it, you know, it's. It's about tying it back properly, and like you're gonna lose some like it's part of the process, but it's also like not bad because people are like a lot more gentle with chokes because yeah, like yeah, you yeah. have hair, so they're like nicer about it because people oh, are funny. weird about it, so it's almost yeah. like it's it's not not because of you, it's almost like um it's just like training with a guy with one arm like you're just not used to it,
2: you know <laughs> so people
1: are like nicer and like. And, and it's an advantage for him. Cause he's like, nobody's fucking trained with a guy with one arm. Like they know like when they grab something, like they're grabbing this fucking thing. Jiu-jitsu is fun, bro. Jiu-jitsu is a fun thing. Um, it's my, it's my Kung Fu, you know, like it's the, mm-hmm. like it's, it's the Kung Fu that I grew up with. <laughs> um, so when you were growing up and you were surfing, you were part of these really like tight knit communities, um, what what did you like want to be when you grew up?
2: I I always kind of had this uh this business, you know, desire, this, you know, capitalistic mind, you know, young little entrepreneur making money on the sides and and really I wanted to get in real estate and I bought my first property when I was I was 17 that was uh not uh properly researched and eventually lost money on but <laughs> I uh dove, you know, really quick into uh, learnings for that space, and uh eventually did circle back into that world I love it all
1: right so let 's talk about that um the first property that you bought that you didn 't research. What was the result of that?
2: uh foreclosure but um you know it uh it it taught me to do the proper research and you know how important planning was for real estate and you know ironically, I think you know of so many industries real estate's one of the most Cut and dry, where you can look at the variable there's always new variables, but so much so many totally less variables, and hey, I'm going to start some tech company or something like that, um, so just saying, hey, don't be so overly eager when you see the first opportunity that looks that looks enticing, but you know, take a breath and really get into that before you uh, commit yourself,
1: yeah, so that was going to be actually my next question, but you answered it, right, so a lot of people that are listening. A lot of them have jumped in headfirst into like whatever it is that they're doing, right? But a lot of them haven't. And um, I think that the idea behind this podcast is to inspire them to jump. Is to inspire them to jump. And you and you answered the question, you know, like before I asked it, when you said like, but this is what I learned. Um, you know, I always think back to this idea that you know, like we avoid sorrow, despair. We avoid the the other side of the emotions. Yet, how do we know that joy is not hiding right behind it?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or like success isn't like curled up, like in between like a little crevice. That if you don't look there in the despair, you won't find the success. You won't find the joy. You won't find that rocket ship that uh, that you're already connected to. It's not that, like, you're creating anything new. You are a rocket ship. Your spirit Mm -hmm. is a rocket ship. Mm -hmm. Not your soul, your spirit. Your soul is heavy, which is beautiful. But your spirit is a rocket ship. And it has the potential to shoot you through all of the dimensions. But it's very important that the soul is on its journey. That the soul is aligned. That the soul is not holding on to the past or scared of the future and just like right here in this moment right now
2: yeah beautiful that was great i think the uh what it brought for me it's the you know that lesson the importance of doing the research yet not paralysis by analysis and then yeah. some people get up in just the research and there there's this delicate balance of like Get enough to understand understanding but you're never gonna have a hundred percent pitcher try to get enough yeah. to kind of you know shape out what it is you're jumping into but you gotta jump or you're not gonna get, do anything great you can just make some small little steps but you know that's it's when we jump that we can take flight um and so just trying to do it with measure
1: yeah you have wings motherfucker like you just like but they only spread when you're falling and sometimes you got to, you're gonna hit the floor. Like it's true. Like you're gonna hit rock bottom sometimes. Like and in the deepest throes of despair, that is where our wings will grow. Like like the phoenix.
2: Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we yeah. have to fall the into gravity for the liftoff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like it's 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 rocket fuel. That that sorrow is just rocket fuel. Those tears that you're crying, that heart that's breaking, it's you know like uh, uh the cracks are the cracks are where the light comes in right and like mm-hmm. that's that's where where cracks open is where the soul starts to uh show itself in its glory without the non-claiming of our darkness like we have to claim our darkness we have to claim those things that we think are darkness even <laughs> cuz some of mm-hmm. them are not you know like Okay. You're possessive. Great. Like you're jealous. Great. Like you're cheap. Great. Like, <laughs> those, are, those are just things that you are. And like, I am that. And I am that, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, you're angry. Great. You're, you're bad with time. That's just your interpretation, sir. <laughs> you uh, know? Maybe you're really present. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, what are you doing right now? Like, I know you, you did a lot, like, all right, no, actually, before we get to right now, can you, can you describe to me what Burning Man is like? Like, I'm like, in your perspective, obviously you won't be able to describe what Burning Man is like to me, but like, like, what does it make you feel like, what do you experience? Who are you in that setting?
2: Yeah. Well, well Burning Man has been a really uh, important piece to my journey in, uh creating Everland. Um, You know, and after Christianity, there was so much of my travels and explorations and businesses that were trying to find that alignment. Uh, And when I went to Burning Man for the first time eight years ago, it was like, boom, getting blown open because, you know, there's 80,000 people off grid in the desert, disconnected from the world for over a week. So it's like this experiment of a, you know, pop-up society and it's a ton of different people. You have your super weirdos, you have your business tech community, you have families, you have Christians, conservatives, artists, teachers of all kinds. And even though everyone's coming from such different backgrounds, when they're together in this space, they're like open-hearted, loving, they're sharing, they're gifting, and it was like, whoa, it gave me like hope for humanity that we could work together, collaborate, share and love without having to be like, well, this is my uh, sect, this is my religion, this is my really tight people group, this is my jujitsu cult. Like, we define ourselves in some of these boxes that we will openly love and share within, but then outside of it, we have up all of our walls for connection and just seeing the way that it operates. And there's a number of principles of the burn that make it so different than the default world, as they call it. But I mean, one of the most powerful to me is there's no money. You cannot buy anything at the burn. Everything is gifted and offered and you just you forget about money and you're, you forget about status by money and where can I go? How much money do I have to do the certain thing? You just kind of follow your intuition and follow the leading. And then what comes out of that is the most magical surprises. And, and everyone is, is the invitation to be a co-creator. So some people are building a massive art piece or somebody is giving a talk or somebody's serving a bar or, or making bacon in the morning or, you know, handing out tutus or whatever the fuck it could be that is exciting for that person. So there's so much random magic that you stumble upon. It feels like you're in this twilight zone in some other planet or other dimension. And, you know, the art and all the things are so cool. But to me, it's the culture and the way that people interact together that has become so addicting for me. I love it.
1: Okay, so I guess we're going to segue into something that's on my soul, right? Like community building. Um, like I moved to Costa Rica five years ago because I had this idea that I wanted to build a community with my friends and my family and everybody to live together. But like I just didn't realize how hard it is to get people to align. And really? also like I felt like um, I was trying to fit everybody into like a hole. And, um, it was just like really frustrating to myself and my friends. Um, and like the reality was like, it's just, I I was just so attached to like what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to feel like, like, and, and you know what? Like, it's very rare that I've heard of a community that like, like works. So maybe you're aware of communities that like work. Um. well. Or maybe, I don't know, I guess that's that's just like an interpretation. Maybe every community works just in its own way, you know?
2: No, no, I definitely have an opinion. Um, And I've almost uh, joined communities in Costa Rica or helped start them before and have pulled my energy back from several projects. And uh, essentially, you know, it is this glamorized thing to say, hey, let's go live off grid and, and be together and be a happy family. And we're friends already, right? It's like, yeah, but we're friends for X, Y, Z, but we got to figure out ABC. Yes. And for people to come together and share resources, like we, we, we've grown into a very individualistic culture and I can handle my shit and you handle your shit. But once we start to have to rely on each other, it's like, well, how are you going to show up compared to where I'm going to show up? I mean, maybe you crush it in the kitchen and you help physically, but I'm the one bringing in the finances to make it work. And we both feel guilty with each other. So there's all these different human dynamics that can make it really difficult and I see a lot of friends failing to make community and the communities that I see the best are not created by friend groups typically they're created by an intention or like a value system or an ethos and a lot of religion, like a religion is the best example it's like we are following this above ourselves but it also could be uh, harmony with the earth permaculture and sustainability or it can be art where it can be we're a tech community we're coming together as an incubator or or we're a place for education and we want to be public facing so finding those alignments are really the first step and when when I talk with people about wanting to live in community or to do something like that like there's so many different ways that could come to fruition whether small groups or big groups shared spaces or just close spaces but first Dropping into what is your value system that you're trying to make your decisions on and continuing to just brainstorm like that until you find health. a community. Health with is people. a good one.
1: Health yeah. is a good one. Like a specific type of health. Cause I was just thinking about it. And like, like, I, cause I, like, we're saying religion, right? Like religion is a, is a macro category. Um, health is a macro category mm-hmm. because um, like you, I mean, a specific type of health, obviously, like a specific type of religion, like if you're like, oh, like this is a paleo community or this is a vegan community or um, like that has like a very overarching idea over um, and not just health, but like also like people go to sleep at 8 p.m. instead of four o'clock in the morning. Like it's a different, um, I guess, niche. Like we're talking like macro niches or medium-sized mm-hmm. niches, not macro. Macro is like old school, but yeah, medium. Does that make sense?
2: Or am totally. I crazy? No, that's it.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking, like it just like, clicked when you were saying it. And I was like, huh, yeah, fucking makes sense. Like if, if, and people have to be aligned and and that's why that, that's the thing like i've never been to a community like that where i'm like oh this is fucking great so uh i wanted to check out maybe some yoga communities or um, that's another one too yoga that's a fucking big one that like mm-hmm. encompasses so much you know mm-hmm. it has like healing and nutrition and movement and like and like they're into nature also for a lot of them you know like it it it's a transcendental, um, practice, mm-hmm. practice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: practice. That's what it's about. It's about your practice. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. What does
1: your life's practice look like? And does it align with my life's practice? Cause if they don't like great, like <laughs> we can still be friends. Right. But if they do, we can fucking, we could kick it. And, and, and maybe it's for five years and maybe it's not for 50 years. Right? Because Mm -hmm. things are changing so fast. Like, I might be a yogi now, and tomorrow I'm a fucking dolphin.
2: (laughs) Yep. I might be a Christian now, and today a burner started an art park.
1: Exactly. Okay. Tell me about the art park now. Like, I'm I'm like, oh man, I'm so excited about so many of the things that you're talking about.
2: So I was living in uh, Taiwan. I had a, a big production company there, and it was very exciting and not fully fulfilling. And I uh, I launched a motorcycle three stories off a bridge and Suck. should be dead or, or at least paralyzed, but I landed in a foot and a half of water and that was like the pattern disruption, like the stop, like, is this what you're bringing to the world? Is this your highest calling? And that time of recovering, I couldn't walk for months, was in the hospital for weeks and just really getting back to, you know, what my gifts were and what I wanted to, work on and I had left real estate development to go be abroad full time in order to just be tapped into my space and not into the you know aggressive consume and create uh, system Uh, yet there is so much wisdom within real estate it is a basic fundamental building block of our life and through that you know healing I had this vision to you know go back into the development world but to bring you know community and creativity together and at first I didn't know if it was an eco village or a treehouse resort but moved to Colorado five years ago a little over and started looking for land uh, immediately and found this land but luckily I wasn't able to do it at that time (laughs) and rooted back into being here and developing community and then I co-founded a members club called Archipelago which was again about community around shared spaces Uh, and then a couple years ago at the burn was when the inspiration really came in that the place that I was wanting to build which will be called Everland is much more open than like a community that's you know, removed and disconnected. It's a it's a place that we want to be inclusive and that's mainly for events and activities and classes and lessons and art and play. And I have been a very playful child all of my life, even when I'm deep in business and there's such healing and and just being that child, like intuition, imagination, flow and we don't have a lot of places that welcome the silly childlike play and trying to integrate those things into a space i looked at going far away but the land is uh that we got is only 50 minutes from downtown denver so it's a very short drive into this world immersed or surrounded by national forest we have a uh, 145 acres of streams and rocks and hills and you know endless trees that we're building all these this trail network through and it'll be Uh, an exploration of art that will be collaboratively created. And that's one of the brilliant things about the burn. A burning man is everyone's a creator there. Instead of a top-down approach, you get a designer and you get a team and they build it all and it's cohesive and it's great, but it lacks the diversity and the complexity that we would have as a whole ecosystem bringing something to existence. So really trying to synthesize. It sounds
1: very (laughs) anti-Apple.
2: Ah, Yes. Uh, Trying to synthesize that that creative power and the burn was a major inspiration. And what I referenced earlier to you, Meow Wolf has been a big industry disruption in the art scene. About uh, four years ago, a bunch of anarchist artists uh, got a bowling alley in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it's like 10 blocks of Burning Man into this one bowling alley. It's this immersive world art park, weird gizmos and gadgets, and you're in a house, and there's a story and a mystery, and you open up the washing machine, and there's a portal to another world, and it's all these layers and things that you figure out, but they've been wildly successful. and Basically, it's a theme park business model where you go in, and you you tour it, and you see it, but it's also a venue and an art gallery. Uh, So they kind of unlocked the ability to actually – put a business model that's a little bit more sustainable than just a retreat center or a campground. Yeah. Something that we are craving experiences as millennial. And now, I mean, more than ever in a post COVID world, it's like, I'm only going to do the things that are really going to bring me joy. And typically things that bring us joy are new experiences and outdoor spaces and things connected with, you know, nature and art and people. And people. People <laughs> Fuck. just being simple and playful. <laughs>
1: Fuck, bro. Like, people. That's what we're missing is, like, people. Like, mm-hmm. all the time. We're missing, like, other people that enjoy themselves. Enjoy. Period. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Period. So, the art park is, you know, if you invite a bunch of random people to build together, it could be pretty chaotic <laughs> and lack some cohesion. Uh, so... We spent a lot of time trying to feel into what our storyline and prompt would be for all of the art. And uh, Bill Plotkin has been one of our major inspirations. He's a, a nature-based therapist founded in the Animus Valley uh, and has developed uh, an exploration of human archetypes based around a compass. And the compass is our logo for Everland, about exploration of the self and of the world. Uh, And so in the center of the art park will be this compass dystopian village, kind of like a Peter Pan lost boy meets Swiss family Robinson, upcycled and eclectic. And then there'll be all these trails that emerge. And each of the trails will have a a local avatar, an animal, that explores an archetype. So the trail of the east is the, the chipmunk, which is childlike play and the trickster energy the south is the hummingbird which is like the artisan the craftsperson the creator the west is the owl which is the visionary and the champion and the north is the bear which is like wisdom and shamanic energy and deep elders and learning and then three zones earth sky and n-word so the earth is like uh it's going to be a giant nature labyrinth mandala with woven animal structures and the sky trail is like ancient future aliens, psychedelics, all the ethereal stuff. And then the inner, my favorite is like the inner resonance, like the inner vibration that ties us all together, no matter who and what you are. But from a you know, scientific standpoint, we are linked up through our breath and through our pulse. So it's going to be a sound shrine. We're building uh, this, this sound temple that the, the roof is going to be a wind tarp that blows at different pitches and frequencies, and the the walls will all be made from deconstructed piano innards, all the strings tuned to the frequency of the earth. So it'll be this interactive instrument that you can go inside and, you know, play a chord and, and meet it in space. And so all along these trails, an artist can choose where they want their art to go and say, oh, well, my art's about the trickster and the childlike play. And they can show their... In- interpretation of that archetype. So it's not us telling the stories of the archetypes, but it's laying out some of the courses and letting the different individuals come and share their reactions and learnings from it and there'll be claps and poetry and laser cut signs with prompts and messages and questions so you can just get into the art and play around or you can get into like a deep heart space and you know go find a little meditation prompt somewhere or ignore that and run around with your friends and do whatever you want in the woods
1: yeah or that and that
2: right (laughs) yeah
1: that's incredible bro my soul has an erection right now
2: oh oh, that's a good statement
1: (laughs) bro i mean like that sounds incredible like that sounds like something i want to bring my kids to and like can you do camping there
2: yep we're uh we already have a retreat center that's fully built out and um usable and we have uh We're building, we have eight tiny cabins that we're turning into each as like a unique artist takeover. And then we'll build a glamping village. So nice tents that you can just go in without bringing your stuff. And then we'll have where it's just camping where you can. Yeah.
1: I want primal, bro. Yeah. I want primal, bro. I'm not, I'm not bougie, bro. I mean, I am sometimes, but like realistically, bro, I like, I like to feel the nature like I, I like, like I, I went camping uh, last week. I've been going like a little bit more and more. I'm mean, from Brooklyn. Like we don't have fucking camping. If you're camping, you're homeless, you know. So, uh, <laughs> like that's the only people that I knew that camped were homeless people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, bro. I mean, like I just sleep on like a yoga mat.
2: Mm-hmm. Talk and to like beneath you
1: yeah just like i like feeling it you know i mean uh granted like i'm gonna test other things too i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure there's gonna be days where i don't want to fucking sleep on a yoga mat so yeah bro i mean but i'm still figuring it all out you know aren't we all right
2: and to have multiple points of intersection so people can come to this you know, whether they want a comfortable space, place to stay or they want to be primitive. But, you know, our, our heart is to be a very open and inclusive space. And while Burning Man has been so inspirational and impactful to me, you know, the, the essence of it is is fairly exclusive. It's expensive. It's hard to get a ticket. It's hard to take off two weeks to go and do something. So there's a lot of privilege within the burn. Once you're there, everybody's just one person. And then it becomes fully one of the most inclusive things I've ever experienced. But, you know, there's a lot of people that would never go to the burn. They're like, that's a bunch of hippies running naked in the woods. And you're like, it's it's really a diverse group of people. But, you know, to create, uh, you know, to bring some of that big art immersive story and like transpersonal uh, development within, you know, beauty from this sculpture or these art pieces can really be a powerful activation for people. And, You know, we're not telling people as Everland, like how they'll be inspired, like what it is. But when you can see so many different expressions of creativity, then we want people to go and be like, well, look at the way this person did that or this person wrote that. And then they take that back into their own community or workspaces or homes and, you know, begin to create a little more themselves.
1: I love it. Actually, a I, I thought comes up when you say that, like, with the Burning Man not being exclusive. So in the entrepreneurship world, there's, like, an idea that says when people pay you more money, they pay more attention.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: my thought is, like, would would people appreciate... I mean, we never, we would never know, right? Like, this is an I don't know question, but it's an interesting question, like a line of thought, right? Like, who fucking knows? But um, would people appreciate Burning Man if they didn't take those two weeks off and they didn't splurge on themselves and they didn't step out of maybe their regular spending habits um, or save for it, you know? Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, I grew up fucking poor, bro. You know? So, like, I... I would, like, I would, like, have to save for shit myself. Like, mm-hmm. I had to start selling Spice Girl lollipops in third grade, you know?
2: <laughs>
1: um, and I started selling weed when I was 11. So, like, I, because like I, I wanted stuff, but I couldn't afford it, right? But, like, I appreciated that shit so much more because I, like, I had to, like, work for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but it's just, yeah, like, that my
2: definitely makes sense. That's experience definitely, Uh, a principle for sure that I agree with and I mean it takes a lot of work to go to the burn and you there's no services there's no electricity there's no water you know they have bathrooms that you can utilize but you have to build your own encampment with all your people and build a kitchen you know you suffer through the experience many times and you come out of it and you feel wrecked yet you also feel more activated or you can feel more activated than you've ever experienced
1: yeah, like something cleaned you. Mhm. Wow, incredible. So, I mean, fuck, that it it sounds like such an incredible uh project. Like what's next for that project? Like where are you in your development? Like when are you guys going to be
2: open? Yeah, so the retreat center is currently open, and we're starting to book. We just had a a men's retreat this last weekend, Uh, and then we're mainly in the development. We spent the last year uh, stabilizing the the property uh, with the existing buildings, and now we're working on the outdoor trails, the fire mitigation, the, uh, the cultivation of the art. We've already had a lot of art that's been pledged to be built here, and over the winter, we'll do the next larger call for art. And we'll be covered with snow for, you know, many months. And then as that snow melts, it'll be a big festival production style build where you have, you know, 20 different artists here at the same time that are all building different installations. And the goal would be to, like, open the art park for a soft opening mid-summer of next year. But the camping aspect may be a late winter 2021.
1: I love it. I love it. That's incredible. Um, by the way, I'm calling it out right now, bro. I'm doing a, I'm doing a retreat there.
2: Nice.
1: Just nice. throwing it out there, bro, right now. Yeah. Actually, I haven't announced it to uh, my listeners yet. I was on a different podcast and I announced it there that I'm going to announce uh, the retreats that I'm going to be having uh, at episode 50. Ooh. So something to look forward to. I give myself like these little milestones. Um
2: yeah. So, uh, it's uh, here
1: episode 50. Yeah, me too, bro. <laughs> me too, bro. I mean, it's going to be incredible. So, all right. Uh You live there by yourself or you live there with your family?
2: Uh I live there with uh, a number of people working on the project. You know, we have several homes on the property, so everyone who's is there is focused on Building, creating, logistics, site operations. So it's definitely a, a communal effort, uh, and you know the beauty of being so close to uh, a big city. I mean, we have four million people within two hours of the property, with Fort Collins, Colorado Springs, Boulder, and Denver. So there's an easy access for people to just come for the day and get involved. So we have a lot of you know, community projects and things that we're, you know, doing some things as we give back and then some things we give back to the community. Some things we give back to the land and really help steward in the forest together and helping it breathe and become it safer.
1: I love it. How far are you guys out from Boulder? One of my business partners lives in Boulder.
2: An hour and 15.
1: Nice, bro. Nice. I, I like, honestly, bro, I love, colorado i was actually standing uh in rocky mountain national park like on a on a rock last year like we just finished like a really long hike i don't remember where but it was really cold um and i was like man i could totally see myself living here colorado is so fucking beautiful man
2: in a world right now where people are moving out of the cities like i mean our real estate's booming right now the amount of people we have you know (laughs) transplanting here from san francisco and from new york it's we were talking about it right at the beginning of our chat. It's just such a, a beautiful balance of of nature and culture and work, play, and you know, a balanced lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy Colorado. I went to Montana about a month and a half ago, and uh, fuck, it was like Colorado on steroids. The nature, it was. Oh man, it was, it was insane. Nothing. It was insane, bro. I was just like, "Holy shit! Like this is this can't be real." It was like it was like a cartoon, but like it's also like there's nothing there. So Colorado has a lot of shit there already, and they got legal weed for those of you that smoke a lot of pot that are listening.
2: Yeah, legal weed, and we've uh, decriminalized psilocybin. Yes. We're the first first city to decriminalize it.
1: Wow. Wait, Denver was the first one? Yeah. San Jose came second? I think it was San yeah, Jose, right?
2: Bar- bar- barely after us, yeah. They were wow. happening simultaneously. Our boat was just first.
1: That's incredible, bro. So what does that mean for psilocybin? Are you are you aware of like what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, I have a lot of friends deep in the space. Um, and, you know, it's it's not something that you can sell or really grow. It's just not something that – it's the first step – just kind of like they're like no longer going to be pursuing you know small amounts of it to have any you know legal ramifications if you got caught with a bunch of mushrooms you're still going to have an issue but from a just a a small standpoint it's no longer on their target list and it's uh, allowable for private use
1: that's awesome that's incredible actually uh that's probably even more than awesome and incredible mushrooms hold a very sacred place in my heart, uh, on my journey. And, uh, yeah, that was uh definitely a boost of steroids that I needed at certain points in my uh, existence.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's just funny. Culturally, we, we are so accepted of alcohol and it's, you know, even when COVID hit, it was like only, you know, doctors and grocery stores and also uh, liquor stores were open because it's like a mandatory accessory of life. Yet there's so much pain and anguish that can come out of uh, the abuse of that. Whereas like the abuse of cannabis or, you know, the overuse of mushrooms, you're typically not in a, you know, potentially aggressive state of mind. So it's really beautiful just to watch the overall culture Of somewhere like Denver be impacted by the prevalence of you know cannabis use and I'm uh, really intrigued to see what's going to happen from a you know society on a cultural standpoint over the next five or ten years of people having openings and shiftings in their minds from uh, experimenting with um, psilocybin.
1: Yeah that's really exciting i mean it blew my mind because i'm from the east coast like you still have to go to fucking some seedy ass place to get some weed so uh i went to visit my buddy in colorado and we went to a, a dispensary it was my first time at a dispensary and i literally felt like i was going to a whorehouse right um so i go inside the dispensary they take my id and like i'm standing next to this like 70 year old white lady and like some like 65 year old Mexican dude and is just like what the fuck it's like what is going on like this this is not what I have been told by youth theirs
2: no <laughs>
1: like this is not a fucking gateway drug this like the gateway to what like eating fucking munchies and watching a really bad
2: movie
1: <laughs> Um, you know like I don't know I've never smoked weed and wanted to go rob a bank Right. or like beat my girlfriend or something. I didn't want to do that. Like it n- like not one not- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: I might have been lazy and that was the worst thing.
1: My uh, but like bro, I I've built all of my businesses smoking pot.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like bro, Bruce Lee used to smoke weed.
2: I mean, my uh ADD or my hyperactivity helps calm down a lot when yeah. I Yeah.
1: Hundred percent, bro. I mean, like it's it's medicine. Like the Earth gave it as medicine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I mean, so, so is fucking tobacco, just not in the way that it's distributed. Like mapacho, like shamans in the like in the South American traditions have been using mapacho the same way the Chinese use moxibustion, the same way the Native Americans use sage, right? Like the same way the Indians use incense. They it cleans your quote-unquote aura, but for those of you that aren't woo-woo, like, I'm sure it's really good against parasites and viruses and bacteria that are on your fucking skin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of woo-woo science, uh, you know, I believe it's... I don't remember if it's Palo Santo or Sage. You know, it's like a, you know, very many generations of belief systems for clearing bad energies, but now they've recently scientifically proven that actually disinfects you know bacteria in the air it literally is making you safer not just for the woo-woo stuff for the literal stuff
1: yes exactly like it's it's crazy it relieves symptoms like it's people i mean yeah we can talk about the woo but the woo-woo stuff comes from somewhere like they didn't have science back then and and like maybe they did maybe they just didn't describe it the same fucking way
2: Yeah, Maybe like your essence,
1: maybe they didn't need to like explain things like uh, to dumb things down. Maybe science dumbs things down compared to like your essence. Like people are like, well, you know, I got to take care of my essence as opposed to like parasites, bacteria, probiotics and like all these words that we're using. Right. But like people don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. People still think eating like butter is bad for you. (laughs) you know what I mean like like do you know do you know in our country we have a 42 point4 percent obesity rate overall
2: wow no 42
1: point4 percent bro it's like they didn't have that shit back then maybe we should go back to talking about like your essence <laughs> you know like fuck like we, we live in like a crazy time you know like everybody's insecure, everybody thinks they're not good enough. Not everybody. Most people think they're not good enough. Most people think they're not worthy. Most people are, like, glamorizing and looking at these other people on social media where, like, that's not real. These are are highlights of somebody's maybe their life. Maybe.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Fuck, like... No character, no integrity, just like uh, signaling. So lots of, lots of noise, lots of noise, you know, like, but I guess that's where we're at. That's where we're at. A lot of people are, were complaining about like Trump or they're complaining about Biden. We're just like, dude, like that is the consciousness of our country. So that's why it looks like that. If you don't like it, change what's inside.
2: Yeah, amen.
1: Like, they're not going to do it for you. They never have. They never will. Yeah, it's great. It would be cool to have a leader with integrity and, and a leader with uh, character and a leader that's on a mission and a purpose. And, and I mean, that's enough. Like, we'll just leave it at those. Uh, <laughs> but, like, fuck. Like, you want that kind of leader? You got to be that kind of leader yourself.
2: Hmm. Yeah, be the change you want to see.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also, you are the one that you've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're you're expecting 80-year-old Donald Trump to change for you? Or 80-year-old Biden to change for you? No, they're not going to. They're 80 years old. (laughs) They're going to stay the same. All right, so... We know when your park is opening... I'm excited to visit. We know, actually what I'm really curious about on this is like, how was it acting and modeling in Taiwan for five years? So I'm like, (laughs) I'm five foot four, bro. Like I could model for the baby gap and maybe (laughs) that's probably about it, bro. Or like like midget underwear or something. That's it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like what what, what was it like being a model? It was a different world, for sure. Uh, and while I was doing that, I was throwing all those large parties. So, you know, it wasn't reality, for sure. But I just got to travel around and go to beautiful places and be with beautiful people. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of a uh, deep rooted passion and purpose. It was like, oh, this is just luxury and play. But you know, ironically, it's a very ego driven thing. People are paying you to show up and look a certain way. And they're also mainly rejecting you and saying, we don't want you. We don't want you. We don't want you. Then you get a gig. So it's like crush the ego, crush the ego, inflate the ego. And, you know, being in uh, Asia, they really love fame anyway. They, they, you know, celebrate it. I think more than we do in Western culture. So it was um, a lot of uh, a big ego death for me going through that because, and, and, Part of then shifting into to uh, Everland now is I think that was a a good work for me to go through because you know every you know I, I was on you know commercials or billboards or you know the beginning of movies and you know people would get so excited but you're like you're not excited for anything it's not anything I said or I did it's just you saw me and now you recognize me and I, I haven't contributed in any meaningful way to deserve this attention. And leaving that world, and I knew, like, I'd leave that world, i I lose that career, and i lose also the event career, uh, like the production world, and going back to America to restart was, like, a commitment to myself of really working towards what I thought was a, a value and a purpose, and I think in a lot of ways, Taiwan was kind of my, my siren, you know, from Homer's The Odyssey, the beautiful women on the island that are calling you in, and you, then you, you never actually make it on your journey, because you end up staying and of course in the book they kill you and eat you and I definitely didn't get uh cannibalized in uh in uh, Taiwan but that uh the fame and fortune kept me there for many years and I I got to learn Chinese but it it really helped uh prepare me I think for which diet which dialect Mandarin nice yeah it's not very useful in Colorado
1: (laughs) for now but soon it will now, be. I yeah. mean, I know it's the like, Chinese are buying up a lot of real estate in the United States. So it might be, yeah, bro. You true. might be negotiating with yeah. people that speak Mandarin. So that's that's the fucking reality. You know, and people do appreciate other people that uh, understand their culture and speak their language. Um, mm-hmm. Like today, uh, my gardener came and I spoke to him in Spanish. And he's like, you speak Spanish? I'm like a white mm-hmm. dude, like... Uh, and he was just like, you speak Spanish, and like everything was like super chill. After that, he did like excess more than what he was paid for, um, mm-hmm. just because like he's like tribe member, <laughs> you know, tribe member. Like you don't look like me, but you sound like me. So yeah, uh,
2: I'm making that I, effort to show up and to meet them there. Yeah, yeah, it, it goes a long way.
1: What was dating like in Taiwan?
2: Um, also interesting. Um. It, it really helped my Chinese, that's for sure. <laughs> and they're, yeah. they're such sweet, serving, gentle people, you know, the, the Taiwanese have like a, a Chinese culture, but more of like an influence of Japan or Korea and like the sweet meekness and just being in that, that culture really helped me drop into more Eastern philosophy and meditation and, and, and patience rather than the, the west of like go and build and create and here I am. It was like, okay, calm down and really focus on that. So I, I learned so much from, from my dating relationships, from the community, from, from the elders there. You know, it's a, a really beautiful culture.
1: What was the first thing that shocked you in dating?
2: Um, that, you know, in a, in a way that was difficult to, you know, or kind of push against, but they aren't very strong-willed women and I, I hate to speak in generalities and and, and saying but they're very open and serving it was like it was a loving trait but i'm like do you really are you really okay with me doing this or saying this or being here and i realized like you you could kind of push your way in a way that i don't want to do but you know when no one checks you sometimes you take a little more ground and you take a little more ground and you know dated women in the west are like nah that's not gonna fly this is what i need this is what i want and you know they were very uh open and, and didn't have a high level of demand. And, and I realized, you know, how, how different that was in in a, in a cultural uh, way of, you know, dating that, you know, definitely made me have to show up for it on my own rather than being asked or expected necessarily.
1: Yeah. Wow. In, in
2: general, some women were not like that for sure.
1: Yeah. That's, that's an interesting like perspective.
2: So I also, um, you know, earlier when we were, before we switched back into, uh, to Taiwan, you know, you said a comment, um, you know, we are, we're the ones we've been waiting for. Um, and, and part of my, uh, my process and like trying to like understand our tough cultural times or our big things, on my heart is, has been poetry. And if, uh, if you're interested, there's a poem that I wrote uh, about the pandemic and right now and stepping into what we're doing that, that ends with that line. So it kind of just struck a chord and it's been it's been sitting with me since you said that so yeah
1: i'd love to hear it right now i love um, poetry i actually published a book of poetry last year oh please send. while while, while going through a divorce yeah yeah it's it's awesome.
2: like you like we were talking about earlier i don't know if it was on the call or not but like those those times of depravity you know birth beauty you know sometimes we need to be slammed against the wall to get back to our center and the highs and the lows. And I'll try to write a poem when I'm not inspired and it's shit. And so I just have to <laughs> wait till something's brewing, but, um, you know, it's, it's a strange time we live in. So this one starts a little, uh, tongue in cheek with sarcasm. Good news, everyone. All, all the charts are up. Consumerism is up. Our global footprint is ever growing uh, by now. Cause global warming's causing beachfront real estate to expand. I interrupt this broadcast, your life, your flow, your hurry, and your worry to demand a pause. This virus is our cause to not ignore the signs any longer. Though we view ourselves as stronger, we destroy our home and are more vulnerable than ever before. So I must implore that we no longer whore out this sacred vessel to the highest bidder. We tried the way of competition and through its attrition, we watched the success of some cause the demise of others. Our sisters and brothers around the globe, laboring in turmoil while neighboring parties extracted for gain, stoking their fires with others' pain, continually running this inhumane campaign. Our planet has been dying and people crying out for all of our lives, but we've been distracted and focused on our own story of self-glory. And now we find ourselves in purgatory, uncharted territory, almost appearing as some cosmic allegory. The children have not been respecting the mother. And now we're all grounded, sent to our rooms a bit confounded, but given space to think about what we've done. We face a fork in the road, and we have slowed enough and have time to reevaluate and can now more fully anticipate what might become of us all if we do not heed this call. So I call for us to explore a new way of living, one more focused on giving and forgiving than keeping score of other shortcomings, choosing to align and stand as one, protecting our planet and mutual well being, finding collaboration as freeing and seeing that together we are healed. Because the power that we yield as one unified field unfolds exponentially, untold wonders emerging consequentially. So let us take this time to reframe, to rebuild, restructure, and rethink, allowing this breath to help us rethink with our planets, with ourselves, with each other. And may we stand up in service and rise to the occasion, allowing this invasion's abrasions to unify our collective body support structures. It's time to re-indigenize ourselves, getting back to our cells, As we recognize, we are all one, fueled by the sun, from the macrocosm to the microscopic, no longer will we be so myopic, I am you, and you are me, and together we make up this complex family, and though I may be different and we may never meet, let's turn over a new page, climb up out of the back seat and take an active role in shaping the path beneath our feet, saving the world and refusing to be beat. This is the awakening of the revolutionaries. We are the solutionaries, rewriting the dictionaries as we step into legendary, Time to end the separation. Welcome to global regeneration, laying the new foundation of the we generation. This is no longer a me generation. We are the ones we've been waiting for.
1: I love it. Fucking powerful. Thank you. I love it. Thank you, bro. Thank you for sharing. All right. So I have this section called like a lightning round section. Uh, it's very like, like whatever comes to your mind in this moment, that is the answer. There is no, there is no way. <laughs> like it's, it's infinite. You figure it out. Mm. What is one thing you would love to upload into the minds of the people of the world?
2: Mm, that we can find a way to collaborate like globally through all religions, through all different walks of life, and that like together we are stronger. And when we when we end having so much separation, we will we will, you know, evolve as a species to be more healthy and and thriving and alive and in love. I love it.
1: What's the book that you give out the most?
2: Huh. Ha- Ironically, a very old book, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I love it. <laughs> and, and an old paradigm, but you can just read one chapter on the toilet and that one chapter can change your life.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What's the music that you're listening to right now?
2: Uh, Robot Heart, which is a, uh, a group from, I mean, a, a theme camp at The Burn, and they have different DJs that go through there. Some of them are the best things ever. Some of them I hate. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta give and take
1: for sure what what is the your favorite ice cream combination that you would want made specifically for you
2: oh i mean i'm just a fan of uh dark chocolate brownie something with uh peanut butter and you know Reese's type scenario with a coffee in it all day Mm. every day
1: i love it if you were a food what kind of food would you be eggs (laughs)
2: nice because they're good with lots of things healthy and strong and I eat them every day
1: runny or solid
2: depends on the day if I'm making them with veggies or putting them on toast
1: makes sense makes sense if you were an animal what kind of animal would you be
2: monkey they like they're pack animals they love to play they're mischievous they live in trees and I love trees
1: yes I love trees too what is your Enneagram number? Seven. Oh, interesting. What is yours? Eight. Mm-hmm. Very extreme eight. But <laughs> I've have worked. Uh, yeah, I have a seven week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, if you were dying, dot, 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 um, what would be your last meal?
2: Hmm. I mean, try some around the world of like a uh, fillet with uh, scallops, some eggs, some asparagus, and Brussels sprouts.
1: Ooh, very paleo, bro. <laughs> um, the last experience, and who would you share it with? It could be as long as you want, as short as you want. But like, what what would be the last experience?
2: Uh, probably. Uh, sail around the world so we'll see how fast that goes and with uh (laughs) you sure you're not jewish bro that was a
1: jewish answer
2: bro (laughs) Uh, go to all kinds of islands explore a bunch of cultures take a couple years to do it and with uh my beloved kathleen and maybe uh my best friend david and his partner and we might have some kids by that point so make sure it's a big enough boat (laughs) i love it I love it.
1: All right. Last piece of advice for the next generation.
2: Yeah, that that there is an opportunity to be both in like the heart uh world, whether that's like the hippie or the service or the whatever, and be in the business world. And, and it's time for us to merge, you know, our capitalistic systems with our heart driven intentions. And we don't have to be involved in work that doesn't make us come alive there is something that you can do that will activate your strengths and your ability to give back as you create and earn a wage
1: I love it last line on your tombstone or your urn whatever you choose to do with that uh, meat machine
2: yeah I mean that's the question what's, what's the last line
1: mm-hmm.
2: last line last word yeah Last more play more be a child
1: Ooh, I love it and with that, we draw to a conclusion, Mister Johnny Jenkins. Um, one more thing: Is there something that I didn't ask um, that you want to share with my listeners or our listeners?
2: I would say maybe not an ask. Just a, um, you know, in the show notes, maybe we'll put a link to. Everland's website or to our we recently completed a kickstarter we we met our goal in the first for sure we'll,
1: we'll do all the links, but like anything right. else besides that
2: yeah well, it basically is the is the request of like check out what it is and and there's a way to get involved, whether you want to create and build art or come and see it you know we, what we're building is a place to collaborate and if it has nothing to do with everland, you know I just uh encourage you to find a way to collaborate and be a creator in your world, in your community. Cause when we step out of the world of experiencing and are just seeing and to be a creator and a doer, it's a very important and powerful shift. And it's been a lot of my uh, life's journey and Neverland's the manifestation of that. And, you know, let's, uh, let's all be creators together.
1: So what does that look like? Is that investors? Is that people that are collaborating with our, uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, I, we're still raising capital. So that's investors. It's artists. It's people that want to have their art on display, people that would want to host a retreat, uh, and look at the retreat offerings or come to another retreat, come into your retreat. Uh, but then more than that, just on a general basis of, you know, feeling the activation to be a creator, not necessarily at Everland, just seeing the way that we're bringing in multiple, you know, disciplines and people and that we can all be creators.
1: I love it. I definitely want to come visit before I uh, I do the retreat. I want to play a little bit. I have a lot of uh, interesting tools that I think would uh, m- superpower your legs.
2: Mm, so excited.
1: Might be might might be an interesting uh, collaboration.
2: Well, all we'll about collaboration. Thank and you. Pl- bro. And play and play. And play. Yeah. Mister Johnny drop in.
1: Yeah, thank you, bro. I really appreciate you. This was this was fun.
2: This was really fun. I look forward to uh, having you out on Everland. Huh, for sure. All right, brother.
0: for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.